Hey, listen up. Yeah, we here and we locked in. Let's keep it going all the way to the top ten. We feel the turtle, so it's no other option. Fred and Ryan, just watch them. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. What is up, Turp fam? Welcome to another episode of the Shell and Tell podcast, Birdland BS style. I'm your host, or at least one of them, Fred. As Ryan has been doing this whole solo thing for the last couple of weeks, I figured I'd chime in, let you guys hear my beautiful voice every once in a while. <laughs> Give Ryan a break. We got a lot going on, man. As Ryan mentioned, we're trying to bring you as much content as possible on a week-to-week basis. And last week, we introduced you the shell and tell segment of the birdland bs show and we're bringing you yet another installment of that this week ryan and i dive into a bunch of topics on this week's show around the football squad we talk a lot about recruiting we talk about the 21 the 2021 class they've got one scholarship left which way is locks and crew going to go with that scholarship we give you a little bit of our opinions on some of the areas that we think that they should address They've got a good connection going on with a very, very important school locally. So we talk a little bit about that. We land a nice commit for the 2022 class, and it comes at a very important position, quarterback, or maybe he ends up being a quarterback. We'll talk about that as well. With the Hoop Squad, Terps win four games in eight days. What the hell is up with this team? The wild inconsistency of this year. So we talk a little bit about that. Are they a lock-in now at this point for the NCAA tournament? A lot of the experts think they are. Can this team make any kind of run in the tournament with some of the deficiencies that they have? We talk a little bit about that. And my co-host on the Birdland BS show, Scott, didn't want us to end the segment without giving kudos where kudos was due. And that's to the women's hoop squad as well. Brenda Freeze wins her 500th career game. It's pretty damn impressive. So without further ado, here's another installment of the Birdland BS show. Shell and tell style. All right, Ryan, it's time for some shell and tell. We're time, time to talk Terps. Uh, we're going to start with the football squad this week. Not a ton of news, but there has been some news around recruits and recruiting Um, right now with the 2021 class, you know, this is one of the best classes that they've had in a very long time at Maryland and 2022 is shaping up really well already, but they've got one scholarship left for this 2021 class. And I think everybody's kind of itching to see what the Terps do here. I mean, you and I have talked about it. They still need help on the offensive line. I'd love to see them land another Juco offensive lineman with that scholarship. Um, maybe quarterback depth, because right now, Talia is really the only scholarship quarterback that they have on the roster. I mean, they got the guy from VMI uh, coming in, but he's still got to play through spring ball before he can even get here. So how much is he really going to be 
acclimated to the offense. I don't even really count him. That's a really interesting situation because if he gets hurt in spring ball, <laughs> what, are, what are we going to do at that point? Right. You've, you've uh, kind of strung out that that's going to be your only backup right now. Right. And then the other, I think the other area that concerns me still is running back. And that hasn't been a concern over the last couple of years. You know, Jake Funk, obviously best wishes to him as he pursues his professional career. Right now, we're stacked with a bunch of young guys. Now, some of these guys are talented. You know, uh, Isaiah Jacobs, the brother of Josh Jacobs, you know, with the Raiders. Penny Boone. Penny Boone, big, big boy. boy. Uh, they got a couple guys coming in, freshman Antoine Littleton and uh, uh, Hemby. Yeah, from uh, uh, John Carroll. Yeah, Middle River Renegade. <laughs> Shout out <laughs> to Middle River. Uh, so they got some young running back talent in there, but they don't have that bell cow. I, I don't think... Or Fleet Davis might have one more Fleet year. Fleet Davis got one more year. Okay, so Fleet Davis would be the senior running back. But I still don't see him being an every down type of running back. And we all know the wild card that he is off the field. He could be pulled off the roster yeah, for, any minute for, for anything. anything. Right? <laughs> stupid. We have no idea if he's actually going to play. What do you want to see him do with this, this last scholarship that they have? I'm not as worried about running back as you are, I don't think. Okay. I think there's so many options. I feel like something's got to stick. I mean, we saw some highlight reel plays from Penny Boone. We didn't really see much from Josh Jacobs, but uh, I mean, I'm you. sorry, <laughs> his brother. <laughs> <laughs> we saw mostly fumbles from him, so yeah. I really hope that gets taken care of. Agreed. I mean, we saw mostly more in the return game than it was running the yeah. football. We saw yeah. fumbles from Lamar Jackson a lot the first year, too. We fixed that somehow. So whoever fixed that, Touché. please please step over and <laughs> give my boy some help. Um, uh, but I do think that offensive line is a huge question mark. We did have a pretty good draft class two years ago, like that never showed up like the Marcus fingers of the world, right? That we had big 300 pound linemen that were on the team that we haven't seen play at all. So since they really didn't get anybody, maybe there's something they know that we don't, that they're ready, that they've groomed these guys to a position. Um, obviously we just lost uh chance Campbell in the linebacker position. Everyone's very young there. And it sounds like there's also an injury issue with our five-star That's that was going to be my next question to you is, you know, you do lose your senior or not senior, but your veteran leadership in Chance Campbell that hurt. And we thought we're good. Well, maybe we've got a four star from Michigan. We We, got a five star from Florida. We're loaded. We're loaded with a ton of young guys. But already we're probably down to five stars. What everyone's saying. We've lost another ACL at ACLU. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so is linebacker a concern? You know, is that somewhere that maybe you're looking to spend that other scholarship on? That's that's me. I'm I'm fifty fifty on offensive line linebacker. I do I think that uh Eric Nigerian, that was the yeah. walk on quarterback we saw, that was the best walk on I've ever seen. And Maryland knows a thing or two about small sample size, true. But yes. But Maryland knows a thing or two about playing walk on quarterbacks and their fourth, fifth, sixth string standing out there. So I've seen a few. Right. Uh, so I'm okay with him being a two or three. And the VMI quarterback apparently has some NFL draft grades looking like a sixth, seventh rounder is on him right now. Right. So apparently he's got some real talent, even though he's from a low level college. Gotcha. Um, so if those three are your quarterbacks, I'm good. Uh, now, again, he's got to get you, though? spring. You lose Talia in the first two weeks of the year. Here's the thing I've always told you it doesn't matter. We will be good when we play one quarterback for a whole year. We can't seem to do it. Yeah, uh, it that's why I think the more important piece is offensive line. You got to do everything that you can exactly. to keep Talia up. Yeah, keep Talia healthy. You need a, that offensive line. I would be sixty forty offensive line versus defense. The only reason I would lean lean linebacker a little bit is because our defense right now 
is going to be scary good even without replacing that. Like, But that is a big hole if you're losing that five-star that you thought was going to give you good minutes. There's a lot of question marks, though. I think this defense can be good. But you got a lot of youth coming in. You got a new coaching staff coming in. You got new new game plans, new philosophies. You got all the hurdles still that they're trying to to overcome with COVID and everything. So there's a lot of learning curves that are going to happen. And it's really going to take, I think, four or five weeks, four or five games of these guys, kind of the younger guys, getting their feet underneath of them and really learning this defense. Because even last year, for instance, right, we talked about going into last year, like an area of concern was the secondary. And the minute that they started the year, it was still a concern. But as the year went on, they got better and better and better and better every single week. This kid still came out of nowhere, ended up being the yeah. best D-back that we had on our team. And that's saying something because I he was a better defensive back than Nick Cross, in my opinion, last year. So he I might think be the best defensive back I've seen there. We've had a lot of NFL D-backs on that roster. Right. So I'm just saying, I th- I think that... I would have felt a lot better about this defense not losing Chance Campbell. That kills me. Oh, Chance it, Campbell it was a much me. bigger loss than the imaginary what Terrence Lewis couldn't could have. Right. Been. So Chance Campbell is is a terrible loss. Again, it all just seems like it was just going to happen because ev- almost everyone that left this year was the remaining DJ Durkin right. players. It was a mass exodus of we tried it, we're done, we're going to go find somebody else that wanted us from the beginning. Right. Well, flipping around, staying on the good side of recruiting, right? One of the things that has kind of been a struggle with the Terps football program for for many years, really, has been the lack of connection that they've had at St. Francis Academy, right? That's been a struggle of ours. It's, it's a freaking f- an influx of talent Powerhouse. that just somehow feeds everybody else, but they completely bypass on the Terps, right? Well, it looks like Loxley and crew is starting to plant some roots there. They're starting to put offers out to some of the really young talent there. This would be a really nice local connection to have feeding the program that just hasn't been there over over the years. I know you watched the 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 HBO special that they did on the San Francisco program. Yeah. yeah, that was very cool. It was very short. Uh, I think it was like eight episodes or something, but right. it was very cool. Yeah, that Call would be some winning. Is that what it was called? Something like something that. like that. Yeah. That would be huge. I think that that's that's and this is how you do it. You got to kind of jump ahead of things, yeah. start getting these young guys. They're completely involved. full of national talent. Most of their top guys just get siphoned to Michigan for whatever yeah. unknown reasons <laughs> that might be in the college underworld. Hamburger bags. So we kind of need the other hardball to get <laughs> fired before I think we can get a real stronghold in there. <laughs> but uh, we can figure it out. Um, but they, we've gotten a few guys more than we've have in the past. A lot recently, they also just changed. Uh, the recruiter in the school yeah. to Brawley Evans, who's been on fire. He's one of the top recruiters in the nation right now. Right. So hopefully that helps us. Um, obviously, the school has been seemingly a lot more relatable and a lot more hip yeah. <laughs> under <laughs> under uh, Loxley and all the new craft crew that's like bringing new age thoughts and processes to the school. All the all the advancements that they have with the uh, personal branding. All these things can really speak to these younger kids that they're trying to get a hold of. So. Hopefully it works. Well, they did land a nice local addition to their 2022 class. We talk about Talia being the only real quarterback on our roster right now. We've got some pieces in there, but no guys that we want to see the field. Uh, well, they did add a quarterback. Well, maybe. Maybe. Three-star dual-threat quarterback Preston Howard from McDonough. 
220 pounds. Number 10 dual threat quarterback in the nation. Number nine overall player out of Maryland in his class. This a kid's got obviously got great size, 6'6, 220, you know, still in high school. That's yep. huge. Uh, got a really good frame, got great athleticism. A lot of a lot of coaches, including his coach, have said that he might be better suited or might make the transition from quarterback to tight end. Tight end or D end, yeah. Or D end, right, playing on the defensive side of the ball. This this is a good get because again, we haven't really attracted much in the way of decent quarterback play. And I know this kid still has some question marks whether it's going to work out at quarterback. But I think having that that dual threat in this offense fits very well. Yeah, we haven't had a high school quarterback since Lance LeJean. Lance LeJean walked on us. So before that, it was Kaysom Hill. Kaysom Hill walked on us. So we have who, who all of our quarterbacks have been transfers recently. Right, right. Um, so this is definitely a big get. I think it's smart. They brought him in. They tagged him as an athlete. They have yeah. not tagged him as a quarterback. I think, that's, I think that you. I think if you're locks, you go to this kid and be like, "Look, I think you're best at a tight ender or defensive end." But as you see, we do have quarterback struggles. So if it ends up we miss on some players, I'm not gonna. If you want reps there, we're gonna give you reps there and see what you got at this level. So I think this is a good fallback plan slash he's going to be a great athlete no matter where you play him on the field. Well, and the other thing with this is too is that Maryland's been involved with a couple other highly recruited quarterbacks out there, and they're still going after these guys. So. I think, and we're in the top two for both of them. I think exactly, and I think they feel comfortable knowing that. Okay, if we miss out on these other guys, we've got this guy. But if we land yeah. one of these guys, now we've covered two positions because we can move this guy as an athlete. It's also why you had to have him come in as an athlete, so you exactly. didn't scare anybody off that you actually wanted to play the position. Exactly, exactly. So this this is good. This these are all good signs. Twenty twenty two class is looking really really good. Uh, speaking of good. Uh, wide receiver core has been something that has been uh, very, very good, good for the last couple of years. Uh, Rakim Jarrett obviously burst onto the scene, to scene last year, had a great freshman year, right? Dante um, Demas to Sean Jones as long as he's not getting 50-yard penalties. Right. But I think <laughs> a guy that, uh, that committed to the 2021 class that we haven't talked about a whole lot, that's been getting a lot of, uh, a lot of noise from some internal uh, people, uh, with the program. program. Yeah. Wide receiver commit Ty Felton. What's been said about this kid that I think is super impressive is that he is the fastest guy on the field, the fastest player that they've seen. Now, granted, I don't know who this is coming from. I don't know if it's coming from players, if this is coming from coaching staff or what, but that's freaking high praise. When you're comparing him, Ty Felton, again, a freshman to this elite class of wide receivers that we already had, and he's the fastest guy on the field. Demon's pretty fast. Yeah. Rack's Demas pretty fast. fast. Exactly. Jason Jones, pretty fast. Nick Cross was, yeah. is, is, well, was a top uh, track athlete in the country. Right. We got some speed out there. So if Tay's making them look bad, that's, that's speed. That's good. And, and I think <laughs> where that could have a big impact, especially because we're so loaded at the wide receiver position, is in the return game. We've talked about that. Obviously, you just mentioned it a couple of minutes ago with uh, Jacobs and the fumble issues. That I don't want to see him returning balls. Anymore. I don't want to see him returning <laughs> balls either. Now, just because he has speed doesn't mean that he can return, but that's what you want. Is you want a guy that's a smaller frame, guy that's more of a lower center of gravity kind of guy, and that's got quickness like that, and I think Ty Felton might be a potential return uh, specialist in the future. That'd be great. So it's been a while since it was exciting, and when it has been exciting, Maryland's been really exciting, like yeah. all the way back to Steve Suter. Diggs, 
Hayward Bay. They've had William Likely. We've had some real fun return guys in the past. For sure. For sure. All right. I know I've seen it in the in the chat room already. Is everybody's hype around this basketball all sudden, squad? All of a sudden, you guys like Maryland basketball. <laughs> where, where were you four games ago? Right. You know, we went four games in eight weeks, and we went four games in eight days, and y'all, it's completely different. Get out of here. <laughs> I mean, it's been pretty impressive. Uh, they, they, granted, it's a, it's a lot of Big Ten games, some against the lower-tier teams in the Big Ten, but anytime you can win four games in eight days against the likes of Minnesota – Two games over Nebraska in back-to-back days, which almost never happens. That's always a 50-50 split in those back-to-back games. But the Terps were able to pull off both of those games. And then you went on Sunday over a Rutgers team who is a much better improved team, was a top 25 team there for a while during the year. They got some talent. That was that was a yeah. game. They've got some talent, especially down low. They've got good size, great play Where down low. Why is that low. not true in the Big Ten? <laughs> With Maryland. That's it. That's we're it. the only one. Maryland's the only one. But somehow we're still winning games, when right? Da- when Dante Scott's your center, that's part of the problem. <laughs> yeah. Dante right. Scott's strong as hell, but he ain't that tall. <laughs> right, right. But Terps now sit at 14 and 10 overall. Eight and nine in Big Ten play, which puts them seventh in the conference right now. A lot of experts, you know, are, are put, putting out their four in and four out and all of that. Every list that I've seen so far, either Maryland is on the four in, or they're not even considered on the four in and they're above that. So a lot of the experts are already basically locking Maryland into this NCAA tournament, which to me, I get it. They've got some of the the most impressive wins on the year. They're obviously playing in the most difficult division in men's basketball, but at 14 and 10, I just never would have assumed that this team would be a lock for the NCAA tournament. I I think a lot of that's the projection for the end of the year because the teams that we have left are not the murderer's row that we've already survived through. Right. So even if you go two and two, you're you're probably in and you're probably going better than that. Right. For the for the West Way Out. Now the Big Ten tournament is where the real question mark is because you're gonna end up matched up against somebody. Don't embarrass yourself. That's the thing. Like, if if Maryland wins, what's your definition though, man? Because we lose to Ohio State by five points, and everybody acts like we didn't get off the bench. So I I don't I don't know what people's expectations are because some of these teams are just better than us. Listen, we're a top thirty-five team. We're not a top ten team. He is such a Maryland diehard. It's like he took that so personally. I know. As soon as you said that, I was like, oh shit, you shouldn't have said that. God damn. So the the Ohio State (laughs) thing for me, when I say embarrassing, it wasn't an embarrassing loss. Penn State was an embarrassing loss. I'll give it to you. I didn't say Ohio State was an embarrassing loss. There was an embar- What's embarrassing is when we go 0 for 16 stretches. Yeah. Well, I don't care Which if it's just against. keeps happening against everyone. Exactly. And I don't it care if it's against Ohio wins. State or if it's against, <laughs> you know, the University of Ohio. I don't care who it's against. When you shoot 0 for 16 during a yeah. stretch, I don't care who it's against. That's embarrassing. Well, I think I think the big thing for me, like going into the tournament, in, in the tournament, you can't. You're on a national stage now. I mean, not that we weren't before, but it, it's the tournament, right? Right. I think what you're what you're talking about is you can't go on these long streets of 04. I mean, how many minus the last what four? Joe, games? I actually think Ohio State has six. I think Ohio State's leading that category for most quad wins. But okay, yeah. um, but no, what I was saying was that's one of those things that you cannot go into those games and and have those Ofer runs because the teams that you're going to go up against, to your point, are going to destroy you. The Ohio State's when you go Ofer, you had the chance to win that right. game. It's in this Rutgers game. We won it. And yet, 
we still had this run where they had scored zero points for like the last six minutes of the first half or something, right. and we had only gained five points during that six yeah, minutes. Right. Exactly. Like, what, how are you holding somebody scoreless for six minutes and not running away with it? So, <laughs> so let me ask you, right? We, we win these four games uh, in eight days, right? What for you have you seen that's been the biggest difference over these last four games? Because in my opinion, I think they're just playing better overall defensive basketball than they've been playing all year. I mean, they're only giving up an average of 59 points per game right now over the last nine. So defensively, that allows you to have those stretches and yet still be in the game some fucking how. But again, when you get to the big tournaments, you can't have that kind of hiccup. You're in, it's one or done, you know, one in, one loss, and you're out. But what has been the difference, do you think, over the last four games? So the fourth game might be a different answer, but if you put a gun to my head, what's the difference in the over-encompassing last four games? It's that guy Aaron Wiggins up there that <laughs> has all this I was sudden, waiting for it all of a sudden been, been super consistent. There it is. Um <laughs> I, Aaron Wiggins consistent and effort. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't know what's changed. I don't know what switches on. Um, it's a little sad to me because I think he's turned it on to the point where you're not seeing him back next year. And we're not ready to make a deep run this year, no matter how good he plays. We could make a entertaining March with between the Big Ten, but we're not winning either one of them. And we're not probably getting into the Sweet 16, no matter how good he plays, because you right. don't have a big man. But I think the reason we're good, and but then we also saw this last game against Rutgers, him playing well was not enough. They played Hart, all of a sudden showed up. He was consistent throughout the game. He he ran the point a lot better. Actually kind of showed me that he might be the best point guard on the team, even though I'm an Eric Ayala truther. <laughs> He's starting to say, I'm starting to get what Turgeon saw in him because I just never understood why this freshman's bringing the ball up when I've always been like, you know, so high on Eric. Right. I think Eric is freed up by not being the true point guard, even though I do think he's very capable in it. Um, so if you can get production, I mean, that was the first game they had had five scores and double figures. Right. It was unreal. It was a complete consistency around the board. Yeah, I, I just I think what's been the most frustrating for me with Aaron Wiggins over his career, really, has just been the nights off. Like there are just nights that he takes off. He doesn't put the effort out there. Cause I think that any, any given day, he is the most gifted basketball player on that squad. And I don't think that's up for debate. I think he's the best shooter. I think he's the best all around player on that squad when he puts the effort. And for whatever reason, over this last stretch of games, to your point, the effort's been a hundred percent and it's shown and he's putting up the numbers. This is what, the scouts were so high on him in his freshman year. First of all, he was shooting the lights out of the gym his yeah, freshman the year. He couldn't, it was insane. It, he couldn't miss anything. Neither but second, <laughs> he didn't get a ton of t- he didn't get a ton of minutes. But the minutes that he got, he maximized one. Then in the minute, like the next year, he starts getting an abundance of minutes, and he just doesn't do anything with it. And that's kind of been why I think he's still at Maryland, right? And I still think that even next year he'll be at Maryland. At this point, I sure hope you're right. At this point, Aaron Wiggins is 22 years old. By the time he's drafted next year, he'll be 23 years old, which in drafting terms, especially in the NBA, that's already pretty old for a drafted kid at 23 years old. So for me, why wouldn't you stay for another year, especially if you're a fringe 
low first round or potentially second round pick, or maybe you're not even an NBA draft pick and you're talking about playing overseas, overseas basketball will be there for you at 24, no different than it is at 23. Why wouldn't you stay here for that final year when you know Eric Ayala's back, you're back, you're going to get some of these, the James Grahams of the world, you might get some some new size, Reese, uh, the, the kid Reese that's coming in. Mona, they, Reese Mona. No, not Reese Mona, <laughs> the other kid, uh, an actual power forward that's yeah. coming in. You've got some pieces. This was supposed to be a bridge year. I don't think anybody had high expectations for this team going into this year. Next year was where we're supposed to see them back into the top 25 and back into contention for things. If you're Ayala why w- or you're uh, Wiggins, why wouldn't you want to be a part They're of that? They're pretty much matching my expectations now. Before this four-game winning streak where we might miss the tournament altogether, I was a little disappointed but not shocked. Um, I knew that was a possibility at the beginning of the year. But I did think that with the, I thought, above-average guard play, even though everybody was scared why we didn't get a guard in the offseason, I thought we had plenty of at least twos that could run it. Right. And so I thought we'd be fine and probably make the tournament. Well, so let, me at, let me ask you. I was going to say, so then do you think this team – has played up to your expectations, over overdone your expectations, or what? I'd like so to far. win a postseason game. Honestly, I think my expectation well, is two you could win a games. postseason game in the NIT. No, I would like to win a Big Ten tournament or NCAA tournament game. I would okay. probably say I'd like to get in the second round of both, and I'm completely, we're, I'm happy with this year completely. That's I think that would number one shut up about thirty to forty percent of the turge haters. So speaking of Turge, there we go. Joe says, "Does Turge get an extension? He, he if he wins two games, yes. No matter where those games are, other than the NIT. <laughs> if we show up at the NIT, he's not getting that extension. So if he wins two in the Big Ten tournament, but then he's done on the first game in the NCAA tournament, I think he still gets, he an, gets extension. an extension. Okay, because I, I, it all depends on why. Like if we get to the NCAA tournament, you match up against somebody with a seven footer scoring twenty a game, we're done before we showed up." Right, like that, like that bracket's gonna matter depending on who. Right now, we're match up. The last thing I saw, we were match up against Clemson. I'd love that rematch because I'm a little sad we lost early. I don't know why we lost early. That was one of our worst games of the year. I would really like that matchup again, but right. we'll have to see. Well, all right, Scott called me out because I had the football squad on here. I got the men's basketball squad on here. There was some other Maryland news that happened this week. That well, I last week that I didn't put in the outline and I didn't give any credit to Scott. Tell fans what's been going on. I, I mean, I think we got to give credit to this women's basketball team. hundred percent. Right? And, yeah. and really it, it starts in all honesty, it starts and ends with Brenda freeze. Yeah. This is the all time winningest female coach for the Terps. Yep. Right. Five, she hits her 500th win. I think now she's at 503. That was uh, last Sunday that she hit the 500th. So I think she's at 503 now. It, at Maryland, she's 503 and 130, right? She passes Chris Waller with his 499 from 1975 to 2002, right? So that's what, 20, 27 years? She's done it in 19. Yeah. Pretty impressive. I mean, they've they've She's been, been good for a long time. Yeah, yeah, that Maryland women's basketball team has been a top tier. That's everything. What they are is everything that we want <laughs> on the Maryland squad. We want to be that perennial team that's always in contention for a Final Four. You know, that top ten team. Maryland's women's Maryland's basketball squad has always been in the top ten since Brenda Freeze has been yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, it's not whether they make the tournament; it's whether they make the Final Four. Final Four. That's right. the question. Every that's exactly year. Yeah. right. Yep. And they they've really had a, a load of accomplishments. I mean, the 
ninth in the in the uh, in the league right now in the NCAA. So I think it just goes to show that she's just doing it consistently. It's her recruiting, but it's also her coaching, right? Some of, some of these girls, I, mean, I actually watched some highlights of the games. I'll be straight out with you two. Some of these girls, I think, could give some of the guys a run for their goddamn money. It wouldn't surprise me. Well, this these guys, these girls are patient with their shots. They shoot them and they shoot daggers, right? Whereas I think the men's team, and I didn't get I didn't get a chance to bring it up, but I think a lot of the times part of the reason and part of the problem with the Terps is we are rushing shots, or when we're being patient, we're being way too patient and not taking the open shot that's in front of us. Yeah, right. And so the women capitalize on this at an amazing rate. You know, both I think on both sides of the ball, they shoot greater than forty percent, or not both sides of the ball on the three and from field goals. They're shooting right. better than forty percent on both sides. That's damn good. That's damn good. I, I want to give uh, one more shout out to the women's basketball team since we're bringing this up uh, today. Had a notable player accomplishment on top of the great coach that we know Brenda Freeze is um, in a mind blowing game of one hundred and eleven to ninety three. When we're watching Maryland men's basketball score sixty points a game, <laughs> wow! Uh, Iowa scored 93? 93. 111 to ninety three versus Iowa. Matt Garza must have been fucking <laughs> with a wig on out there or these something. Are, <laughs> these are the these are the two top scoring teams in the nation. Uh, senior Katie Benson. Uh, set a program record with nine three-pointers. What's more, more impressive about that is she tied the old record for a whole game of eight in the first half. She had eight three-pointers in the first half Jeez. of that game. Now, I don't know how she only got one in the second half, because if I was her, I'd just be launching every I'd time. I'd have been shooting everything. Like, right. We're see how high this record goes. Yeah. But then again, it was a tight I'm game. I'm in Dave and Buster's bitch. I'm just win. throwing everything up. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, she gets that from the men. Just throw it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, one, one quick thing that I have noticed that's a little bit different, too, that I didn't bring up with uh, Aaron Wiggins or anything. Aaron Wiggins and Ayala, I've been seeing a lot more dribble drives to the basket. It's not the Anthony Cowan straight lines. It's right. like some fancy and one dribbles <laughs> around there. Like, I don't know how they're not getting the ball stolen, completely pickpocketed, but it's working. Yeah. Like somehow they're driving in, doing a little weird post move and going up. I, I don't, it's, it's, it's different. Gonna, it's going to be interesting to see how Maryland reacts because they've been, they've been playing nothing but big, teams that have a ton of size, not a whole lot of speed, right? They get into this NCAA tournament and they start playing against teams that are built similar to them. You know, guys that are more athletic guys that are more quick. It's going to be interesting to see how this Terps team reacts to that because they're so used to size. And I think to your point, I think that if they're going yeah. up against some of these smaller teams, it's going to be weird not teams, playing 35 year old white gonna, men in the big 10. <laughs> it's yeah, also going to come down to what bracket are they put in? Yeah. So, right. That's very true. Well, there you have it folks. What do you think? Can this men's hoop squad actually get into the tournament? And if they can, can they make any sort of a run? We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know your opinion. Hit us up on our Twitter page. You can follow the show at Shell and Tell Pod. You can follow me at Fred BLBS. You can follow Ryan at Terps Espert. Or maybe there's a topic that we're not talking about that you'd like to hear us talk more about. Send us an email. ShellandTellPod at gmail.com. We'd love to get more content out there for you. We'd love to talk more about different things going on around the university. In fact, I just want to say I really appreciate each and every one of you guys' continued support, especially through such a challenging year like COVID. Each one of your likes, your retweets, it means the world to us, and it helps us get exposure to more Terp fans like you. We don't do this for the money or their notoriety or anything like that. We do it because we're Terp fans, right? And we just want to talk Terps with more fans like you. 
So that means the world to us. So we'll be back next week with yet another installment of the Birdland BS show. And as Ryan always says, here's to wishing all is well under the show.